One, two, three, four. Everybody, let's snap along. Welcome to the Power of Singing podcast. My name is Joyce Wells, and I am so happy to be hosting this third season of our podcast, which is entitled The Power of Children Singing. I wore my best children's earrings today. In the words of the great Ella Fitzgerald, who had no children of her own, but spent so much of her energy teaching children and passing music on to children. The only thing better than singing is more singing. And in that spirit, our intention in creating this podcast is to encourage you to sing. Anytime, anywhere, all the time, everywhere, alone with other people, with your pets, with your plants. In other words, just sing, start singing, keep singing, or enjoy listening to singing. Connect to singing in whatever way works best for you. Singing is beneficial for you and the world around you. We're recording this live on Zoom on August 21st, 2023. And we are the five members of the Santosha Voice Group. Santosha means contentment. The Santosha Voice Group provides expert information, inspiration, and opportunities related to singing for all levels of singers. So whether you're a professional, an emerging professional, an amateur, meaning you do it just because you love it, or you literally only sing when no one is around, the Santosha Voice Group offers something doable and accessible for you. We believe that singing is powerful and life-transforming. Check out our website at santoshavoicegroup.com. That's S-A-N-T-O-S-H-A voicegroup.com. And now I will introduce you to who we are individually. Heather Fetro is a professional classical soprano and voice teacher from the Washington, D.C. area. Heather specializes in music by women composers and is an active freelance soprano in the classical world. Hi, Heather. Hi, thanks for having me. Joseph Garate is a wonderful tenor and voice teacher based in Southern California, where he sings classical gigs all over the area is the lead singer and writer for the band Diamonds, and is a DJ. Joseph also writes deeply personal songs and is especially passionate about music for people with special needs. And Joseph has an eight-year-old son. Thank you so much. Hi, Joseph. Hello. Rich McKinney is a composer pianist, and choral conductor living in Missouri. Rich teaches composition and composes for local choirs and has a YouTube channel that features his piano interpretations. 
He was a singer before losing his vocal cords to Agent Orange exposure in Vietnam. Yet his love for music and his commitment to serving it continues to reverberate in the world. Welcome, Rich. Thank you. Susan Mohini Kane is the founder of the Santosha Voice Group. After successful careers as an opera singer and a college professor, Susan began channeling her extensive talents and skills into becoming a singer, songwriter, and teacher, spreading the joy of singing wherever she goes. Susan has just completed her first album of original songs called Waking Up in Wonderland, which you can find on Spotify, or you can find out more about at SusanMohiniKane.com. The album will be released on November 17th, 2023. Welcome, Susan, and congratulations. Thank you. And I'm Joyce Wells, a singer, songwriter, and vocal coach living in upstate New York. After studying, performing, and teaching in many different genres, from classical to folk to Eastern music and the Vedic tradition, my focus now as a vocal coach is on supporting anyone of any age or any walk of life to enjoy your sound for speaking or for singing. You can find out more at enjoyyoursound.com. And you can learn more about all of us on the santoshavoicegroup.com website. The topic for today's episode is Voices of Children, a palette of invention and character. I'm very intrigued by this topic, which is going to be led by Heather Fetro. So welcome again, Heather. We are all ears. Thank you, Joyce. It's a pleasure to be with you all today wrapping up this series. It's been so inspiring, and I'm really excited to delve into this topic. I came up with the title very last minute after thinking about what I could possibly call all of the things that um, impress me about children's voices. And I, I've come to the conclusion at the moment that it's because they do have this palette of invention and and character that they are not fully formed adults yet so their palette is so wide and could become so many things um i had this experience recently of painting that reminded me of this you know you get the colors right that come in the little jars but then you can combine the colors right and you can make your own color and i think of that with children's voices too um and I think of that as, as people too, you know, even as they grow up, they can not just be one thing that someone thinks they should be, right? But they could be perhaps many things that they would like to be in their life. And I think music gives them an opportunity to explore this at a very young age, that they can try different things with their voices and, and see what see what comes of it. So um, I'm excited to share a little bit of my story and then some amazing children singing together, which was our last podcast episode too, um, because they're just always so impressive to me when I, when I hear them. And I, I was fortunate to have somebody who really nurtured my voice early on in a chorus. And I wanted to tell that story a little bit today. Her name was Florence Jowers, and she recognized in me many things that I didn't know were in my voice yet. Um, she had me sing second alto, which is remarkable because now I'm a high soprano. But I think, again, she heard my musicianship and she thought, oh, she could sing second alto and lead that section. 
And I, I think it was good for me because I think, you know, as my voice has gotten older, maybe I would have never had that experience. Um, and she, she was wonderful introducing to us in our choir. It was a community choir called Say Chorus, which stood for Shenango Area Youth Chorus. And she was great at introducing songs from many cultures with many different languages. And so this started to pique an interest, I think, in me at an early age um, about different cultures and different experiences across the world that may or may not be like my experiences. And and I think that the music just so intrigued me. You know, why does the music sound that way in this part of the world as opposed to that part of the world? You know, and it's a passion that I'm still following. Um and she was the first to have me audition for a professional, not professional, but an honors choir experience. Um, and I remember having to do two recordings for that experience and really have the opportunity of learning high level repertoire for that experience. We sang in German and things like that. Um, and it was so engaging to me and just thought like, wow, how lucky am I that I get to do this? And it was in Washington, D.C., which is funny because that's where I live now. Um, so it was my first opportunity to explore the nation's capital. Um, and I actually went back to D.C. again for a youth leadership conference when I was in high school. And so something keeps pulling me back to something about the Washington, D.C. area. Um, this time it was for more of a political experience. We got to meet senators and representatives. I met John Glenn, which was very cool to name drop a little bit. I have a picture with John Glenn. Um, and I did like to be in charge of things a lot too. So like I was president of various clubs, like the choir and the band and things like that, youth group at school, student council. And I've come to realize this is part of the activist in me as well. Um, and that the, the, mus the musical part a lot of times is slightly linked to action and doing something about something in the world. Um, and maybe that's some of my innate sensitivity coming into to some of the bigger issues. Um, I wish music could fix everything and it can't, but it, it certainly can do a lot. And I think as a child, it helped me feel like I had a voice, you know, and I see that with a lot of the kids that I've, I've worked with. Um, and again, I was lucky I got picked for solos and things like that. People liked listening to my singing voice. So I think people still might like listening to my singing voice more than my speaking voice. And I can get into that on a feminist topic someday if you want me to, maybe on a future, you know, episode. But um, but this this has really driven me to explore, you know, women composers because I have felt again growing up as a young girl and young you know, young person in America as well, you know, that there's still quite an inequity, you know, when, when we are in a room of, you know, women and men together, there's just something about that still. It's harder to have women's voices heard. And in music, that's very true as well. You know, there are women composers, but how many of them are performed today or brought forward or had the same opportunities? So um, music and politics became, you know, for me, a real natural fit. But again, through through some amazing mentors and, and the way this kind of ties back to children, children's voices, you know, is again, I think that um, children, you know, they, they have this want to invent things. And, you know, I think Joseph was Joseph's episode or no, it was Susan's episode. Yeah. Where she said, you know, I don't want the story to end like that. I want the story to end like this, you know, I want to change it. I want to add something that, that creates, you know, a better ending. Um, and I think that's so brilliant. I think we, we just, we need that. We need that. And again, music, 
is is inventive. That's its number one, you know, goal. It's to invent something that's never been invented before, and then to choose a character for that. Right? Is it happy? Is it sad? Well, you know, what does that feel like for you? Because um, again, I think some of those things are innate in children. You know, different ways of their character being one way or the other. So, you know, what does that mean about what music? they would want to perform or sing, you know, it's just so fun as a teacher to kind of tap into that. Well, maybe that's not in your nature, but, you know, could that be a palette, you know, part of your palette too, that you could add in, you know, to that song. Um, I'm getting a little bit off topic, but it's just so fun to talk about these things um, with, with an audience again of, of teachers, you know, and, and singers and performers, because it just brings back so many memories of, of people who have given me a shot to really try different things. And I think we, we as teachers, you know, we love giving kids the opportunity to invent and and figure out, you know, is that part of what they could bring to the music is a little bit different part of their character, maybe than they've ever explored before. Um, and so I've, I've really gotten into the idea of improvisation lately, too, with a lot of even my adult students. Um, and it's so interesting to watch the adults. Was that good? Was that good? Kids never ask that. They just do it. <laughs> you know, they just improvise. And who cares what anybody else thinks about it? You know, um, maybe, you know, around middle school or high school, they start to care more. But but that gift of invention and and just doing it, you know, without without feeling the need to judge it is such a beautiful gift that we hear in children's voices too. It's just, it's just out there. So I would like to share a song that um, I was privileged to conduct this group of children at the Strathmore music center. The song is rattlesnake skipping song. And again, we've talked a little bit about how kids love talking about animals, right? So this was just a very fun little song. It's a Canadian folk song, I believe. Mississauga rattlesnakes. Mississauga is um, in Ontario, Canada. Um, so you'll, you'll hear it in this song, but they, they give some advice about what to do in this song too, which is always fun for kids to do, you know, tell other people, this is what you do in this situation. So this is the Strathmore Children's Chorus. Hey Jung Kim is playing the piano and I'm conducting. Thank you. 
amazing. Wait, she has to re- turn the recorder back on. That was I great. I got you, Matt. We're still recording. We're still oh, recording. well, that was awesome. And I'm sure awesome. to, <laughs> thought to myself, I bet their very favorite thing was at the end getting to go. <laughs> I bet you. I love that. Isn't that a cool? It's such a cool sound to make. Yeah. It's breast support too, right? That sound yeah. we work on breast support. Yep. Yep. Uh, I can hear through the whole. Sorry, Joseph. No, no, please. I could hear through the whole thing. I just know how, how old were these kids? This was middle school. So fourth yeah. through eighth grade. Yeah. Fourth through eighth grade. I, could hear, I could imagine how tricky it was to do that song. And I could just yeah. hear their joy in doing it. Cause it's, cause I just, you know, that coming that we're ready to do this and people are going to love it. You know, Thank that's you. what, that's what I was going to say too. I mean, that was, a, it's kind of a complex song, you know, um, as far as the, the harmonies go and some of the intervals and things. So that's really well done. Amazing. Really terrific. Thank you. They were special kids, weren't they? You can yeah. just hear that in their voices. Yep. Well, thank you all. Um, I have a question now for you all. Uh, it's a little bit about your voice as a child. If you can remember back um, to your voice when you were young and I was curious about how did you or other people describe your singing voice to you as a child? What were the qualities of your voice? Maybe light, warm, bright, dark, angelic, loud, beautiful, etc. Um, what were those qualities as a child? And then did your adult voice retain any of those qualities? All right, I'll start. I don't. Go okay. ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, um, through my life, a lot of people have called me angelic, just as an angel, and um, and I mean that's probably the one word that that continues on throughout. And I I don't quite understand you know like what it means or anything, but I think that's the one. And and I just did a performance last Saturday night and had several solos in it. And people came up and said the same word again to me. So I'm guessing angelic. <laughs> I'm going to piggyback on that because that was exactly what I was going to say. That Of all the different things people have said, that's what they have say to me most often through through my life. And um, They say angelic? Yes. Yeah. Amazing. That's what they always, not always, but that's what they often say. And um, sometimes they've also said that my sound, my voice reminds them of a bell, that it's, it's, it's clear. And it's not as clear as it used to be, but they still kind of say that. But um, the angelic thing, I, and I do think that that quality, even at 72, it somehow is still there because people still say it. But um, it, I came during the pandemic to have an understanding that I never had before, something about because I learned something about angels and angel and that actually, you know, the, the definition of an angel is a messenger of God. And so I went, Oh, okay. Now I get that because, because um, I always feel like my, my voice is just something from God. It's, it isn't me, (laughs) you know, and I, I know there'll be people listening to this who are not, you know, maybe not, do not believe in God. And that's totally fine. I mean, I, I, of course, whatever you believe is, what you, what works, what is yours. Um, but that made it make sense to me because that's how it's always felt to me that there's, that this is something beyond me. And if this is somehow speaking to people 
from that place, um, which is what I kind of think that all art does, um, then I get it. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That'll put that in a whole different context for me too. That's awesome. Yeah, I thank you both because again, that otherworldly quality, it reminds me of too, the the trained singing voice for a lot of people does sound otherworldly. You know, how how did that happen? You know, it seems like a miracle, you know? And it is a little bit. I think so. Didn't really have much uh, feedback about my boys, but I sang in a boys' choir for a while. And I mean, I, I sang with the Big Army Court. I've been judging music been my whole life, really. I'm not good at anything else. So it's a good thing I'm good at music. <laughs> I would have loved to hear your voice as a boy. There's nothing like that sound at all. Yeah. Yeah. You have your decades laid. yeah i feel i feel similarly to rich i i I can't think of any feedback i ever got really none and maybe it's because of as i kind of talked about before i i was hesitant to really sing in front of anybody i do think that there's a a little bit of a like misogyny and a gender aspect to this be Mm -hmm. be, a a little bit now that I'm kind of thinking about it, reflecting while you guys are talking. And I think that like the fact that I was like in high school and was even willing to be a singer as like a young (laughs) man, people and, 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 and I was like decent. I was like, okay. I was like, fine. People are like, Oh, let's, here's here's someone who's really important you know and so that was kind of like an early entree and so like oh okay well maybe i should develop this skill i mean it was that that was a that was to my benefit you know but but i i i am as i'm thinking about it now in retrospect i'm like oh i bet i bet that some of my female peers did not have the same you know some of the same experiences obviously you know but so, but, but younger than like high school, gosh, I, I can't think of anything except for, you know, being singled out for being a, a young man that was willing to sing and use my voice, whereas so many as my other friends wouldn't have, but didn't do it in high school. So. Yeah. I, I would love for you to make this more of a topic, Heather, you know, just the women's voices versus men's voices and the, yeah. you know, the different experiences and feedback we get from the world about that. Yeah. It's really interesting, Joseph and Rich. Well, it is yeah. very interesting that they would would say to us that our voices sound angelic, but they wouldn't say that to Joseph. No, because, right. You know, that's so strange in a way because because no, what, what they do is they pay money. they pay them money. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying about like when I think of an angel that is, I mean, yeah, I think it would it would have been a fitting. <laughs> would have been wow. fitting. Your voice is angelic, in my opinion. Anyway. I, I agree, but we're often, boys are often led in the direction of sounding like a cowboy. And so, mm-hmm. you know, he'd be prepared. This is so interesting, you know, and again, I didn't intend for it to go this direction necessarily, but I'm so glad that it did because it reminds me of all the gender identity, you know, things going on in the world right now, too. You know, why just because you have a you know, gender assigned to you doesn't mean that certain words might be assigned to your voice, right? That's, that's Mm -hmm. fascinating. And I had no idea it would, it would spark this, but it brings me back to what I kind of wanted to wrap up with, with, you know, the idea, um, why my voice has been described always to me as a bell, a bell like tone as well. Um, 
But as I've gotten older, I've been told it has a rich quality to it and a colorful quality to it as well, um, which I think is probably accurate. But um, I think that the idea of of having a voice, right, and and you know, identifying with a voice that one has is is fairly important. And I think back to the gender idea, you know, I think we're in a phase of perhaps, hopefully, a more inventive you know, phase for what gender could mean for someone that just because it has traditionally meant this doesn't mean that it has to mean that going forward. You know, we are, we can have some change and fluidity, right. In some of the things that we assign to gender and understand about gender. And I think that that's just, again, I think I've, I've come to that through being a musician, (laughs) you know, I'm not sure I ever would have stumbled upon this topic that it's, it's really passionate for me. But but through understanding it through music, um, and my husband happens to be a countertenor as well, so we could divulge into that whole other topic too about men who continue to to sing in that head voice too at some other point. But but for now, I just want to thank you again for allowing me to share the song from Strathmore and for all of your beautiful answers to the questions. And I can't wait to continue this topic. And thank you, Joyce, for hosting such a beautiful season. It's really been a pleasure. It's been a great pleasure for me. And that thank you so much, Heather, for guiding us through this beautiful discussion and for sharing that song with us. Um, And this brings us to the final episode of our season three podcast. So for now, we will say bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you. Farewell. All right. Bye bye. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Power of Singing podcast, season three, The Power of Children Singing. You can hear all five of the episodes wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about our group members, please visit our podcast page on our website, santoshavoicegroup.com. S-A-N-T-O-S-H-A. May your day be filled with the joy that is so natural to all of us as children. It is still there. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you.